Wes Craven is back for the last film of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. This is Wes Craven's New Nightmare from 1994. I hope you're going to enjoy this. I am Eric Lewis, and this is Horse Poop. What is going on everybody? As always, I am Eric Lewis. This is Horror Spoop. Today we are talking about the last film on the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I do not include the remake as a part of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Please excuse me for that, but that's just how I feel about it. Also, some people don't consider this a part of the Nightmare on Elm Street series just because it's Wes Craven's new nightmare, a new edition to the series in such a different one that people think it shouldn't be a part of the series, but I definitely believe it should. So Wes Craven's New Nightmare came out October 14th, 1994. The budget for this film was $8 million. The box office took away $19,721,740. Not too bad, but also that's not too good either. Wes could have done better, and I think the movie showed itself to be better and definitely worth more money in the box office, in my opinion anyway. You you could think the other way about it, but hey, that's just my opinion. Again, for the director, we have Wes Craven back to direct this film. He also, you know, directed Scream, The People Under the Stairs, My Soul to Take, stuff like that. We've already been through it with the first Nightmare on Elm Street. The writer, Wes Craven. For writing, he did Night Visions in 1990. He did Shocker in 1989. He also wrote The Hills Have Eyes in 1977. And here goes the last summary of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Here we go. In 1984, horror director Wes Craven created A Nightmare on Elm Street. It was acclaimed as one of the scariest movies ever made and made unknowns like Robert Englund, Johnny Depp, and Heather Langenkamp huge stars. Ten years later, Heather is living happily with her husband Chase and her son Dylan. But her life has now been turned upside down because she is being stalked by a person who sounds like nightmare villain Freddy Krueger. Chase has just been killed in a car accident after he accidentally fell asleep behind the wheel. Dylan refuses to sleep anymore, and New Line Cinema has just offered her the part in The Ultimate Nightmare. But some other strange things have been happening, including the earthquakes and Craven's tight lip about the script. The ultimate truth is that Freddy Krueger is actually an ancient demon breaking out into our world. But in order to do that, he has to go through Heather and he knows how to get out by harming those near to her. Will. Oh. 
That was definitely not too bad of a summary by Will. Thank you, Will, for saying that. I think that was an awesome summary. And also, it defined this movie very freaking well. Let's get right into our cast, shall we? We do have Robert England playing Robert England and Freddy Krueger, which he must have got paid twice for two different characters that he plays. I don't know if he's playing himself, if Robert England is playing the real Robert England, or if he played what he wants fans to see as Robert England. Huh? How about that? I bet you didn't think about that, did you? Maybe you did. Also, Heather Langenkamp is back at it. Nancy, everyone knows who she is. She's playing herself, but she also has to channel Nancy. And you definitely see that more to the end of the movie. We have Miko Hughes, who plays Dylan. He is the little kid. He is also the little kid from Pet Cemetery. He is Gage from Pet Cemetery. He is also a kid on Full House, and he's also a child in a kindergarten class with Arnold Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop. We have David Newsom, who plays who plays uh, Heather Langenkamp's husband, Chase Porter. He's in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in 2005, Quantum Leap in 1990, and The Days from 2004, which was just one season, six episodes. And a young Evan Peters actually played his son in the show. Again, I have not heard about this show, and I would definitely actually like to hear about this show. I would like to give it a watch for sure. Next up, we have Wes Craven, who acted in this film. He also directed and he also wrote. He did a little bit of everything for this film. Wes Craven, you are the man if I haven't told you before. Fred the Janitor, he plays in Scream in 1996, which is Freddy Krueger, of course, just a different look at it. He is Dr. Arnold in The Fear in 1995, and he's a pasty-faced man in the segment The Gas Station from the anthology film Body Bags from 1993. We have J.F. Davis, who is a hand double for Freddy's glove slash hand. It's kind of a hand in this film, not really just a glove, but... That being said, J.F. Davis plays the hand double for Freddy Krueger. And then we have John Sexton, who was the father to Nancy in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. He is just himself, just the actor, helping Heather uh, Langenkamp get through this terrible time. Again, at the end, he plays more of his role from the film, from the first film. So make sure you pay attention to that, because that's actually pretty dang cool. After that, we are going to have an ad from Anchor, and then I'll get into some notes from this film. We'll be right back. And we are back. If you choose to get Anchor and use Anchor and you got it from my podcast, I will follow it and I'll at least listen to one episode. Let me know if you got it from my podcast and I would love to do that. So anyway, let's get into some notes from Wes Craven's New Nightmare. First, the opening sequence is extra meta horror. And the reason why I say that is because a person on Facebook described this movie and said the words meta horror maybe six or seven times in one paragraph. And I am not even joking. So, the opening sequence is extra meta horror. Not to mention, they do it well. And also, Wes Craven is shown right away. And, like, there is no stopping showing you who made this, who did this. He, I believe, doesn't even want you to know that the... I don't want you to think that this is just another nightmare movie made by other freaking weirdos. 
this is mine, I'm Wes Craven, I made the original, I made some good stuff, this is me, and this is a different type of movie from the get-go. Also, there's false scares in this film. The false scares are things that make you jump, but they're nothing that is actually horror, nothing that is supposed to scare you. And that is also something that I believe is also made more as the meta horror idea, where because you're watching a scary movie, everything should be scary to the point that we are putting stuff in that does not scare you just in the hopes that you get scared and you jump anyway. I believe that is actually a part of meta horror. I believe that is a modern telling of how to scare people. And I think they did that very well. Um, the nightmare that Heather has, and she wakes up in the middle of the night during an earthquake. I think the earthquake, her waking up to an earthquake is actually a really cool way to end a nightmare. And also kind of gives you more understanding more reason why she sh could be having this nightmare because there was an earthquake going on and something disrupted her or whatever it may be. Uh, telling your significant other that my dreams have to do with a villain that I, that I killed in a movie does sound a little far-fetched and I do understand why you don't want to tell your significant other that. Just because I know I would be looked at as a crazy person if they were like, well, what are you having a dream about? And I'll be like, well, you remember that movie I did when I was younger in 1984? There was this killer named Freddy Krueger. I also was in the third one as well. Well, I had a dream about him again killing me. Well, killing people on our set of a new Freddy movie. And that's strange. What's going on? I do find that a little far-fetched. I could see why he would find that far-fetched. Um, when all this weird stuff, phone calls are coming over and Heather's starting to find something strange going on. Dylan says someone's coming. And that's also very spooky. But I find children a little spooky altogether. So, it's spooky, but it's nothing out of the ordinary to me. Because children are often pretty spooky. Um, now, this child, Dylan, in the movie, tells his mother, Heather Langenkamp, that uh, just don't go to work. I, I don't know. Something's going to happen. I feel weird. Having a weird feeling is not a reason to stay home. But, at the same time, you should not just pass it off as nothing as well. You should probably walk with a little bit of cautiousness. But that's just me. I do find it kind of strange. Why would I stay home just because my kid thinks it feels weird? I don't know if that's real. I don't know. Um, there is a part where I came to realize during this movie that Robert England is playing Robert England playing Freddy Krueger. Um, during the uh, news thing where they're on that news talk show and he comes out, it's Robert England playing Robert England playing Freddy Krueger in front of an audience of people. And I find that strange. And another reason why Robert England should have got paid double for this. Hey, if no one has said that to Robert England yet, someone needs to say that to Robert England, by the way. Um, the picture painting of Freddy Krueger in Robert Shea's office is pretty awesome and I need it. And if someone wants to send it to me, let me know. I'll get a P.O. box just for you to send that to me. 
a phone call after she asks about weird phone calls. And that is pretty strange, but that was also made by Wes Craven on purpose because he is the man, man. The movie, they are working on a really freaking cool glove. And if you haven't seen the movie, the glove alone is something that you need to look at because it is pretty freaking crazy. One of the coolest scenes in this film is actually the funeral scene. I think the funeral scene was really well done, um, especially Heather Camp going down into, uh, into the casket. I think the casket becoming a corridor of little, uh, of little like walkways is really a cool aspect to the scene. And I just think the scene was really well done. All, all of it, all the acting, all the effects, everything about the funeral scene was really well done. And if you have not seen that scene, you need to see it. I might put it on Facebook. I'm not sure yet, but stay tuned because I might. Um, Dylan, the child in this movie, Heather's child is probably the second scariest thing in this film. Freddy Krueger, of course, is the scariest thing in this film. And not in a funny way, not in a comedic way like the other movies before this. He is actually kind of terrifying in this film. And I think I love that. And I kind of wanted more of that instead of like a funny, spooky type of thing. I will say three, four, five, Freddy's dead. He is just goofy as crap. One and two, he is not too goofy. One, Wes Craven had him the way that he wanted him. And then two, I just believe this was more of a body horror thing. And Freddy Krueger is more scary in that. But, hey, that's just me. A lot of people love how clever and witty he is in all the movies. And, I mean, I kind of do too. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I hate it. Okay? It's not like I hate it. But, I will say, I do like the mysteriousness of Freddy Krueger. I do like the seriousness with a little bit of wit. So, but, that's just me. Again. That's just my opinions on this. The trauma that comes with losing a spouse and also having to explain the death of your spouse to your young child. The trauma that not only losing the spouse is, but the trauma of you having to figure out a way to tell your child that dad's not coming back. That scene is actually a scene that is heartbreaking because you don't really know about that situation until you're in the situation. So the idea that Wes Craven put that in a scene is honestly very sensitive of him. And also, it's just a way of opening our minds to understand things that maybe some of us have never went through. So Wes Craven, good job for that. Because I actually did have to think about that and I like that. Also, the, pr uh, the painting of Freddie... In Robert England's house, while he, well, the the painting that uh, Robert England is painting in his house when he's on the phone with Heather Langenkamp, that's also an awesome painting, and I also want that one. All right, so anybody want to send that to me again? Let me know. Message me on Instagram. Message me on Facebook. Email me at horrorspoop at gmail .com. Say hey, I want to send that painting to you, or you know, a print, not the actual painting. We all know that, but a print. Hey. I want to send you a print of that because I love you, horse boop. I love you. And I'll be like, cool, I'll set up a P.O. box. You can get it to me. But also, this movie is definitely worth a watch. If you have not watched it, watch it. 
I think the scares are so much better because it comes from a killer who is mysterious and scary. Also, he does have a little wit and he is a little funny in it, but he is not too funny. And I think Freddy's Dead and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, I do believe he is kind of too funny. And especially those two films. But the acting is good in this. The score is good in this. The music is wonderful. The kills are very good in this. The blood is awesome. And there's a good amount of blood in that too. You know? There's a good amount of blood. But we'll be right back in two seconds. And we'll get into a little bit of trivia. Alright? We'll be right back. And we are back. Let's get right into the trivia, shall we? In this film, Freddy is depicted much closer to what Wes Craven had originally intended intended for the character. Much more menacing, much less comical, with an updated attire and appearance. However, in 2015, before his death, he would admit he regretted changing his appearance and said, if, he ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Which is why he kept Ghostface masks the same after every Scream movie. And I also would like to talk more about the parallels between Scream and Wes Craven's new nightmare, but I actually believe that might be for another time. I might actually want to do an episode about the inspirations of one horror film that made another horror film. So that might be an episode later on down the road. Let me know if you want to hear an episode like that. All right, let's move on. Director Wes Craven had intended to make to ask Johnny Depp to make an appearance in this film in the funeral scene. Craven never worked up the courage to ask him now that he was such a big deal. But after the film's release, they ran into each other. Craven asked Depp about it if he would have made an appearance in the film. And Depp said he of course would have. And that Craven should have asked him. And I agree, Wes Craven should have asked him. Johnny Depp, you were great in Nightmare on Elm Street. You were great in your appearance in like five, I think. Five or six. Five or uh, Freddy's Dead. I'm not sure. Not not sure about it, but but you were great in the first film. I would have loved to see you in this film. And I know Wes Craven also would have loved to see you in that film as well. The television appearance was also inspired by a real encounter. According to Wes Craven... Robert England and I did an appearance together on public television in San Francisco. It was about whether the ki this kind of movie was bad for children or not. There were parents in the audience and kids. All the, kids, all the kids leaped to their feet and started chanting, Freddy, Freddy, Freddy. I remember looking at the show hosts and all these parents. All these parents all looked horrified. And they all looked horrified because these parents assumed that Freddy was scary to children, when in reality, children like comical, upfront characters. Children like that type of thing. So, to me, it's no wonder that kids thought that was fun. Why wouldn't you think that was fun, you know? In reality, Heather Langenkamp's real husband, David Leroy Anderson, is a special effects man himself, as he's played in the film as well. Um, I did find out that his that her husband actually turned down the role to play it in the film, um, which that ain't no there ain't no hate on that because I would probably say no too because I'm not an actor and that might be something that 
he isn't either. I'm not sure. In the ending credits, Freddy Krueger is credited as playing himself, even though Robert England reprises the role as Freddy Krueger. But to me, I think that was more of Wes's idea of trying to keep this legit and not really keeping this as Robert England playing Freddy Krueger because Robert England is playing Robert England. So I think that was Wes Craven's way of trying to make this more documentary style, trying to make people believe that this is not just a fictional film, that this is a documentary. Robert England has said that this is his favorite movie of the Nightmare series, along with Freddy's makeup and his look. He believes that's also the best way Freddy looked in the series, and I kind of agree. And I also kind of agree because of the eyes as well. Also, you see that in Freddy vs. Jason. Also, we will be getting into Freddy vs. Jason. I actually believe I'm going to do that a part of the Friday the 13th series that I am going to be coming out with. So, stay tuned. Even though, in case you didn't know, Child's Play is actually the next franchise that is going to be done. And that is going to start next week. The first Child's Play from like 1988, I believe. But, anyway, we are still on Wes Craven's New Nightmare, so let's get right back into that. The basic premise of this film, Freddy invading the real world and haunting the actors and crew responsible for A Nightmare on Elm Street films. That was originally intended to be the idea for A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, from 1987. And that was also inspired by the movie Return to Horror High in 1987. But the idea was rejected by the studio at the time. They said, that's a little too much for us. We don't think the audience would understand it. And then in 1994, they were like, okay, I think they will understand it. And then 1996 came around and they definitely understood it. If you were a part of the $19 million that came from the box office from this film, then most likely you also saw Scream in 1996 because you were so impressed by Wes Craven's new nightmare. I do say there's a little bit of cheese in it, but there's a perfect amount of cheese in it. The perfect amount of slasher cheese is in Wes Craven's new nightmare. The film has no opening titles to blur the illusion, whether this is a film, a documentary, or something else entirely. All the earthquake sequences in the film were actually filmed one month prior to the Los Angeles quake of 94. The real quake struck only two weeks before the end of filming. Subsequently, a unit was sent out to film drive-by footage of actual quake damage areas of the city before the ending of filming. The cast and crew believed that the earthquake scenes that were filmed before might have been struck as a little overdone. But when viewed after the real quake hit, all of this was way too frightening and real for anybody to say anything. And I would say, when you go through an earthquake, yeah, I'm sure that the earthquake scenes seem all too real after that because you have went through the trauma of a pretty serious earthquake yourself. Uh, Miko Hughes has kept the sewn-up T-Rex dinosaur since filming. Wes Craven also had the original copy that had no claw marks in it. Also, back to Miko again, the large rocket ship that you see in the park scene went into Miko Hughes' backyard. His father bought it after the film. And probably, he bought it with the money that his son got from acting in the film. I don't know. 
because I think we find out a little farther down the way that Miko's father was also in films doing special effects, makeup, and all that type of stuff. So for all I know, he might have been working with makeup too. I'm not sure. But let's, let's move on. At around one hour and 14 minutes, Heather is asked if she has a pass, which she replies, screw your pass. This is taken directly from The Nightmare on Elm Street's last, the first, uh, first movie from 1984. I don't know why I got so tongue twisted right there, but if you are patient with me, I am here to say I appreciate you and I thank you and let's get right back into this again. Another part from this movie from 1984, the bio-engineered hand and glove that Freddie used in this film is actually derived from artwork for the theatrical poster and video box covers of A Nightmare on Elm Street with alternate endings from 1984. The working title for this film was A Nightmare on Elm Street 7, The Ascension, and at one point, Wes Craven's new nightmare, The Real Story. And I really feel like Wes Craven's new nightmare is definitely better than any of those. But, I digress. Lynn Shea also appears as a nurse in this film. And she also appears as the teacher in the first film in 1984. Lynn Shea is also the sister of Robert Shea. And, uh who is head of New Line Cinema, that you also see a good amount in this film. Not a good amount, but you see him. <laughs> at around 44 minutes, during the scene in the playground where Heather is talking about what happened at the funeral, right as she says, seeing Freddy in that grave seemed pretty real. A boy rides by on a bicycle, wearing a sweater that is nearly identical to the one Freddy Krueger has. David Newsom said he felt like a dork playing special effects tech because he was so clean and nicely dressed. When he looked at all the other special effects techs around him, they had jeans, t-shirts, and most of them also had beards. Dr. Hefner is a nod to Richard Hefner, who is head of MPAA, the Motion Pictures Association of America. And also, he was the bane to Wes Craven's films and his career as a whole, because I'm sure he was like, this is rated R, I'm so scared of it. And for that, we say, Richard Hefner, more people could have seen this movie if you weren't such a little wuss about it. But anyway, let's move on. At around one hour and 24 minutes during the freeway scene when Heather ducks into a tra tractor trailer and it goes over her, this was done with a green screen. It took around 100 takes to get the shot right. The next day, Heather Langkamp couldn't really walk, and that was because she was just sore from taking this many takes, doing this much in one scene. The clothes worn by Heather Langkamp and John Saxon toward the end of the film is very similar to the same clothes they were also wearing in the first Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984. And you kind of see why that is in the first film. You will definitely see why that is. The name Dylan is clearly spoken a, a whomping 103 times in this film. Dylan, 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 all that. All different types of ways you can say Dylan is how they say it. I swear to God. At around 35 minutes when Heather Langenkamp vomit in the morgue when, he see when she sees her husband's body. She was actually spitting up a combination of clam chowder and bean soup. 
and it looked disgusting. But also, clam chowder and bean soup sounds like something disgusting to have in your mouth anyway. And this is the only Nightmare on Elm Street film that did not take place, at least partially, in Springwood, Ohio. At around 21 minutes, the book, a Nightmare, The Nightmare Never Ends by Andy Mengels, can be seen on Robert Shea's desk in his office. Also, Robert Shea, your acting was definitely a little better than the other films. And I will say that. I will say that. But let me take it back with this last part of trivia. I'm going to take it back from you. On the DVD commentary, Wes Craven explained that in the hospital scene when when Dylan vomits black slime at Heather, that there's more scenes filmed with Dylan's eyes turning blood red and 3,000 flies coming out of his mouth, filling the whole room and also having a screeching growl. He, him sure, was not sure why that was never used in the end film. So, Robert Shea, I think that was your problem, that you thought that was too scary of a scene, but let me tell you, Robert Shea, I need, I need to see that scene. But, anyway, let's get into some taglines, and then we are going to be out of here. For taglines for this film, from the creator of A Nightmare on Elm Street. How about that for a tagline? I think you already knew that, though. So let's just move on to another one. Miss Me? And I think that's actually Wes Craven who is supposed to be saying that. Miss Me? Because Freddy Krueger, you know, 1991 was the last Freddy film. So, like, did you really miss Freddy Krueger in that amount of time? Or did you really miss Wes Craven? Because Wes Craven hasn't done it since the first one. I think Miss Me goes to Wes Craven and not really Freddy Krueger, but whatever. Here's the next tagline. This time, the terror doesn't stop at the screen. And I actually think that one's a really good tagline. He's back and he's scarier than any witch. Don't know what exactly that is supposed to be going towards, but if you do know, let me know. You know, message me at uh, Horrorspoop on Facebook, Horrorspoop on Instagram. Also, Message me at horrorspoop at gmail.com just to say what's up or to tell me, hey, I have the scene of Dylan spitting flies out of his mouth or whatever. And the last tagline for this film is this time, staying awake won't save you. Definitely. The time for terror doesn't stop at the screen and this time, staying awake won't save you are two of the best taglines for this film. I do hope you guys have enjoyed this series of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Let me know if you did enjoy it. Also, I hope you're excited for next week with the first uh, the first film from Child's Play from 1988. I hope you guys are excited to get into the world of Chucky and also to learn some more about Child's Play and that series as a whole. Again, go and like my Facebook. Go and like my Instagram. And also... Email me at horrorspoop at gmail.com to say what's up. I am Eric Lewis. This is Horrorspoop, and we will see you next week for Child's Play. You guys have a good week.